Lord, your grace has brought us through. Amen. Your grace is not powerless. Amen. Your grace has been with all the saints. Amen. Your grace is even with us now. Amen. Lord, how we thank you and we praise you for this grace. Amen. Oh, the all-sufficient grace. Amen. Thank you that we can have this time together. Thank you that we can be here. Amen. We thank you for all the saints. Amen. Thank you that your grace is sufficient. Amen. Your grace will bring us through. Amen. Your grace will enable us to endure. Amen. Your grace is even with your body now. Lord, we're full of thanks and praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the, praise the Lord for his grace. Amen. His grace is upon the body. Amen. His grace is with every member. Amen. His grace is a victorious grace. Amen. His grace is an enduring grace. Amen. His grace is an all-sufficient grace. Amen. Lord, all we can do is thank and praise you. And we declare we love you more than anything in the whole universe. Amen. You're the most lovable person. Amen. Thank you for your faithful care to Amen. all the members of your body. Amen. Even in these days. Amen. All he can do the foe is just release the flow. Amen. Your grace is flowing as a river. Amen. Your grace is prevailing. Amen. Hallelujah for this grace. The grace of God in the economy of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, saints, we come to message three of this timely and meaningful conference. Uh, especially in these days, how much we need the grace of God in the economy of God. Grace, I hope, to us all is becoming a very special word. I didn't think I needed this, but maybe I do. <laughs> it's just so good to be together. And we realize that the Lord has been faithful to us all. And his grace surely has been sufficient. But uh, we get to examine this word a little bit more in this session in which we realize, you know, uh, this grace, oh, what a charming sound. You know, I, I used to have an understanding of grace that was not very favorable. Uh, when we were kids and we were playing ball, uh, mom used to call us in to, uh, to have dinner. And we were ready, okay, it's time to eat. We're ready to get it. And mom would say, wait a second, it's time for grace. <laughs> and so, as a result, my feeling about the word grace was not very favorable. 
Of course, later on you may think, well, Grace is a good way to name my daughter. It's a lovely name. But, oh, the grace. Uh, I hope through this message and through this conference, our appreciation and esteem for the word grace will be like never before. And in fact, that we could realize that through grace, even our view, our understanding, and even most important, our experience would be uplifted and even, I would say, revolutionized. To realize, oh, the grace. Grace. So we come to message three, which is the believer's experience of the grace of God. In the economy of God, consummating in the church as the organic body of Christ. You know, this, even the title of saints is worth musing over. First of all, we are the believers. So good to be with the believers. Are there any unbelievers in the room? Well, if you, if you have your doubts, you're not sure... Oh, it's time to call on the Lord. Call on the Lord, uh, call on on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. So let's say Lord Jesus three times. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Isn't there something sweet in that name? That's the grace. There's grace in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when you touch his name, what happens? You get connected to him. This person is full of grace, right? John chapter 1, it's full of grace and reality. And so we are the believers and we, are, we have an opportunity, saints, to experience the grace of God in the economy of God. We may think, okay, we know what these terms are, but let's pause for a minute and open to the Lord. Lord, show me more. What is the grace of God? Lord, show me more. What is the economy of God? The terms that we use very often... We may take for granted, and we become dull in our hearing. We don't appreciate the term grace. We don't appreciate the economy of God, because we think we already know. Yes, we hear these terms quite often, but I hope even in this conference, the Lord could touch us in a fresh way, in a new way, concerning the grace of God in the economy of God. Consummating in the church as the organic body of Christ. And we will get into the consummation in a few minutes. But as we begin, I'd like to uh, highlight the fact that we all realize this conference has been presented to us. You know, Chris, this is based, as Brother Joe indicated, this is based on a conference given earlier this year. And we get to digest this word. This word comes to us at a particular time. We're in the early part of the year 2022. 
We've come out of, or we think we've come out of, a worldwide pandemic, which has caused suffering all over the globe. And even for many of us, a certain kind of suffering, perhaps the loss of a loved one. And now as we emerge to have what we think is a normal kind of living, we find out war has broken out. And this is not just a political matter, but this is an attack by the powers of darkness against the body of Christ. We need to realize, we need to have the spiritual eyes to see that the things that matter are the unseen things. And we need to realize that as the things get played out in front of us, this kind of a war that is being played out in front of us, the real significant things are taking place in the unseen realm. And this indicates that there is a power, there are the powers of darkness, and there is a satanic kingdom that is in opposition to God's kingdom. And so we've seen even uh, members of the body of Christ passing through all kinds of suffering. Uh, the enemy working through, through men to do what he can to damage the body of Christ and to damage the Lord's testimony. But saints, the grace is prevailing. It's brought us through the pandemic. It will bring us through this current trial. And we need to realize that this will continue. We all hope for a better world, a better situation. We hope for calm. We hope for peace. But I do believe, and I think many of us believe, that we're approaching the end of the age. And if we're in that kind of time, we're in that kind of age, we need to realize and even expect days will grow darker, confusion will increase. But you know, this is, in, a, in another sense, this is not new. World history is full of this kind of conflict, this kind of problem. And I'd like to refer you to a book that describes this, this dilemma, this human dilemma, very clearly. It's the satanic chaos in the old creation and the divine economy in the new creation. And right at the very beginning of this book, uh, Brother Lee outlines the burden. And I'd like to just read the four points that he lists. These are points uh, that kind of express the burden. Firstly, Christ is the centrality and universality of the divine economy. We have this phrase in message three, the economy of God. When we use this phrase, what do we mean, the economy of God? The economy of God is just Christ as everything. The universality uh, and the centrality. That Christ would be everything. 
In Colossians 3, Paul says that Christ would be all and in all. Christ desires to be everything to us. Whatever we need, he is. He desires that we would know him in this kind of a way. This is, when we we use this term, God's economy, it is to say that God's desire is that Christ would be experienced by us in every situation. And it's possible because he is very actively dispensing himself into us. You know, for those of you who might be new, I'd like to demonstrate what is dispensing. That's it. Not very complicated. Very simple. It takes a product, it takes an item, here the water. In God's economy, we're talking about the life-giving spirit. The life-giving spirit entering into a vessel, entering into man, entering into the human spirit so that we can enjoy and experience him. So in his dispensing, his economy is carried out. Then the second item that is listed, and again, this is so that we could understand the crucial significance of this kind of conference in which we realize this word on grace is really what we need in the midst of this kind of chaotic world that we live in. The second word is, Satan, the devil, is the source and element of the evil chaos. You know, many times we get troubled. Why did God allow such and such a thing to happen? And we may want to blame God, but the thing we need to realize and remember, Satan is the source of any kind of death, any kind of destruction, any kind of chaos. Satan is the source and element of the evil chaos. The third item, the believers must condemn the earthly chaos and exalt the heavenly economy. In the midst of war, in the midst of tribulation, we condemn the powers of darkness. We condemn the earthly chaos because this is the satanic realm. You want to know what Satan's kingdom looks like? Behold. The confusion, the despair, the inability of human beings to solve problems, all of it is because of the satanic kingdom. But... We not only condemn the earthly chaos, we exalt the heavenly economy. So for us to engage in spiritual warfare is a matter of praising the Lord. We exalt our God. We exalt him for his economy. We exalt him for his dispensing. We exalt him for his grace so that we are not subdued, we're not held captive by the satanic chaos. And then finally, the overcomers conquer all the destructive chaos and triumph in the unique constructive economy. So I encourage you to read this book.
the satanic chaos in the old creation and the divine economy in the new creation. Saints, we are in the new creation. And even we are the new creation. And here we can enjoy the divine economy. So we're on the subject of this message. Message three, the believer's experience of the grace of God in the economy of God consummating in the church as the organic body of Christ. You know, as I said, we may think, oh, we know these terms. We know this term, the divine economy, God's economy. We know what this is. Well, it wasn't that long ago for me, even though I had been in the recovery for a good number of years, the year now was 2007. And during that time, uh, our family, we were living in the U.S., and, but we had an aspiration to get to Europe somehow. And at the time, I was working. And my thought was, well, let me see what I can do to work out a job situation so I can get across the pond. And at this time, we were living in California, and I thought, well, California is a long way away from Europe. I need to get a little closer. And of course, I was from the East Coast, and I understood that on the East Coast, there's just much more of a kind of nexus between the East Coast and Europe than there is between California and Europe. So I had this thought, well, and meanwhile, my, my son had started to attend university in New York. And uh, so I just had this thought, this consideration and to find a job in New York, which I did. And I left my job in uh, California and transferred over to begin to work for a university in New York. My son was there. My wife and daughter would follow in a month or two when, when school was finished. Ah, that's when the fun began. Actually, the fun began the day before I left California because that's when I received the diagnosis. And I received this diagnosis and the one thing led to another and I, I spoke to one of the brothers and I said, brother, here's, here's the news I just got. Should I, should I make this move? He said, it's okay. Go ahead, but you need to get on this right away. And so... Uh, that Saturday, flew to New York, started the job on Monday, and it was one thing after another. The diagnosis, my son also, he, was, he went through a medical situation, health situation. Then, a situation at the, new, at the new job. By the end of the week, I was suspended. Well... We don't have time to go into the whole story. We'll, find, find, we'll go have some coffee and talk about it. But one thing after another. Then uh, there was another situation with my daughter. And uh, I won't go into all the details. But uh, the point was, it was just one thing after another. And I began to wonder, what is going on here? 
I mean, I, I'm trying to get to Europe, you know. I, I mean, I'm trying to get over there. Lord's moved to Europe, you know. And here we are in New York, and it's boom, one thing after another. And so one day I was on the subway, and I just thought about Job. Now, let me quickly say that there was no way everything, the things I was experiencing matched Job. Job's a whole other story. I, and I was not thinking I had it that bad. But somehow I just thought about Job. I thought, you know, uh, here it is, the, all these different things that are happening. What, what is the Lord doing? And I went to the first life study, the book of Job. And I was there on the New York City subway. And Brother Lee, in that life study, makes it very clear that in God's economy, in God's eternal plan, what he cares for is Christ. But there's something else. And that is, what we see in the book of Job is an example of a seeker, someone who loves God, but what needs to happen in Job's situation is he needs to pass through some stripping of all the other things that occupy him other than Christ. So he says we should have two words in our spiritual vocabulary. Two words in our spiritual vocabulary. What do you think they would be? First word would be Christ. If Christ is everything, you better have him in your vocabulary. Okay, what's the second word? Stripping. Two words in our spiritual vocabulary. Christ plus stripping. And he makes the point that it's through the stripping that the things other than Christ are removed from our situation. And this is what we see with Job. I read this life study on the New York City subway and I began to dance in the middle of that car and the people were like, what is up with this guy? Well, not quite literally, but I was so happy. So happy. I realized, this is what's going on here. In other words, I had all the chaos going on around me in my situation and then I got clear that really what God is after is just dispense more Christ into you. But what happens is, he will try to dispense himself. I won't do this, it'll probably ruin the microphone, but there's a, he wants to dispense himself, but we're not open. We're occupied with so many other things. And so, he's just unable to dispense himself. And as a result, we don't experience that much grace. You know, grace is God enjoyed by us. How about that? You know, you are a crazy group of people. You, you know, you talk about enjoying God. What kind of crazy talk is this? I used to, I, I used to understand, well, we fear God. We obey God. We honor God. Enjoy God? Enjoy God? You know, one of the brothers before the meeting mentioned that his wife went through an experience. She, she tried to talk about enjoying God to some group of people, and they thought, oh, that's so irreverent. 
Oh, but brothers and sisters, isn't it good to enjoy God? And that's what drew us here. And that's why we're here. And this is why we go on in the church life. Because we know that sooner or later we can enjoy God in this place. Well, we need to enjoy God more. Don't you agree? I have to say to myself, much more. I need to, I need to enjoy, I need to appropriate, I need to lay hold of God as my grace much more in my daily life. But I believe, saints, we are in an environment with all the satanic, satanic chaos around us in which the Lord will arrange various situations in which the things that occupy us, the things that prevent the Lord from getting in, sooner or later these things will be stripped away. We are under the Lord's hand. We are, he is the shepherd of the sheep. He's the shepherd of our souls. And so what he will do is he will open our inner being. He will open the chambers of our heart. So more and more, we will allow this grace to flow. Eventually, the grace will grow in us. So we come to Roman number one. The New Testament believers living under the grace in God's economy is a total living of experiencing the processed and consummated triune God as grace. Now let's consider this for a moment. I don't know if you're bothered by this phrase, a total living. It bothered me. But the more I've been getting into this, the more I realize. Actually, don't be bothered. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. This word right here indicates to us that we can enjoy grace in every situation. As a mother with a three-year-old child, you need grace. As a father with a 15-year-old son, you need grace. As a student attending university, you need grace. As a young person attending online classes to the point where you can't stand it anymore, you need grace. As an older person concerned about your health, worried about your health, you need grace. Whoever we are, wherever we are, we need grace. And so this word tells us that in every situation, every one of us can experience grace such that it becomes our total living. I tell you, saints, I really hope this can happen, and I pray that this can happen. And you know what? Because I'm a believer, I believe this will happen. We are believers here. This is the believer's experience of the grace of God. And so the believer's experience eventually becomes something where we can say that it is a total living of experiencing the process and consummated triune God. 
Now, again, you may, and if we're all skeptics, right, to a certain, a certain degree, and you may say, well, okay, it sounds good, but uh, I don't really think that that's going to happen. I don't really think that's possible. Well, again, Paul says in Colossians 3 that Christ is all and in all. He says in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. It's not I, but the grace. And so Paul, as a pattern to us, is, he's telling us, he's telling us it's possible. Not only is it possible, I can, I can say and I can declare that it is no longer I, but Christ. We need to believe that this is also possible in our experience. And not only that it's possible, but that we want it to happen. We intend for it to happen. We say, Lord, I want the grace today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yesterday is over, but we do have today. And today we can stand with this word and we can declare as believers that this grace is sufficient in every situation. So we can stand with the fact that this grace in God's economy is part of my total living. You're there as the young mother with the little children. They just are, oh, it's... And impossible, how to, how to get the situation under control. Or you're having problems in your marriage. Problems at work. And you may say, well, this word is not, not really true. Well, we need to have a turn, saints. We need to have a real turn to realize not only is it a possibility being presented to us, but it is, it is a fact for the believer to believe in that this grace can become our total living to the point where we also can say along with Paul, it is no longer I, but Christ. Now, I have a feeling there's still a few skeptics in the room. And so I want to uh, encourage you with a few things. First of all, we have the verses that are there listed under Roman number 1. Galatians 6.18 says that the grace, of the, Lord, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. This indicates that by turning to our spirit, exercising our spirit, living in the Spirit, oh, we can enjoy this grace continually. But it is, it is a matter of exercising our spirit. What does it take to exercise your spirit? Like any muscle, it's a matter of using it. May the Lord help us, shepherd us, train us to use our spirit. To, to, for me to lift up the glass requires an exercise of my hand and wrist. 
For us to enjoy the grace requires an exercise of our spirit. So as we begin our day, what is the first thing we do? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I love you. Ah, an exercise of the spirit resulting in a tender feeling toward the Lord, a realization, yes, he is with us. Today is a new day. Yesterday was a failure. It was a, it was a catastrophe. But today is a new day. A new day has dawned and the saints are going on. May this weekend be a new day. May it be a new day in our gathering, but in a new, a new day in our realization and our enjoyment and experience of Christ. And so we have Galatians 6.18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Hebrews 4.16, oh, what what a verse this is. Let us come forward with boldness. Boldness, where? To the throne of grace. Our God is not involved and not that interested in sitting on the throne just evaluating our conduct. Are are we being good today? Are we being bad today? No, that's a throne of grace there. And because it's a throne of grace, we can have the boldness to come forward. And what happens? Oh, there at that throne, you enjoy the Lord. Well, that throne is in our spirit. The throne of grace is in our spirit. Our spirit connects us to the throne. Our spirit is like the heavenly ladder in Genesis. There's a heavenly ladder there that Jacob saw with traffic back and forth between the heavens and the earth. May there be more traffic in our spirit, more traffic Involving our spirit and the throne of grace. That's Hebrews 4.16. And then, as Joe pointed out, the very last verse of the Bible. Oh, my. I just love the fact that the last verse of the Bible is the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. You know... The conclusion of the Bible or the conclusion of any book really mean, means it's significant, right? Then you, you see what the result is. You see, okay, where are we going? Again, you may be skeptical over this idea of a total living. Well, the whole Bible concludes with the idea that the grace of the Lord Jesus is with all the saints. We're headed into such a total living of grace being with us in every situation. Grace is with us now in every situation. It's just a question, how much are we going to enjoy it? How much are we going to appropriate this grace? The grace is available. There's no shortage of grace. The question is, how much do we want to enjoy? You know, the bank, you go to the bank, there's a gazillion dollars in the bank. How much do you want to withdraw? How much do you want to take advantage of what's available to us? Saints, these are the days for us to pursue the Lord. 
These are the days for us to gain Christ in every situation. Even in the adverse situations, the suffering situations. Actually, the Lord would, would desire to use that situation, unpleasant as it may be, to cause us to just turn to him. To cause us to avail ourselves of this benefit of the grace. That's why the situation is there. Oh, the sa Satan would like to attack us, condemn us, depress us, weaken us, but the grace is there, saints. So for us to turn. You know, at the conclusion of the Bible, we find out grace is there. The point, the point we've, we learn from this is that after all the prophecies, after all the things that are described in the book of Revelation and described in the Bible, after all is said and done, it's the grace that remains. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. And so, and again, I'm trying to convince the skeptics here, maybe myself a little bit. We all have that element, but Lord, the more this grace grows in us, the more this grace grows in us, the more possible it is to have this kind of total living. So saints, may we cause every day to be profitable in the Lord's eyes. Every day represents the possibility for us to enjoy this grace. And the more we enjoy this grace, this will have a definite effect on our living. But you know, I really enjoy in John chapter 1, uh, again, this verse has already been brought out, but it indicates in, in, in uh, verse 17, the law was given through Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. Grace and reality came. It wasn't given. It came through this person, Jesus Christ. And so, in the note there, it indicates that the law makes demands on man according to what God is. Grace supplies man with what God is to meet what God demands. So you may read this Roman number as a bit of a demand, this idea of a total living. Total living, you mean our entire living is a living of the triune God? How can, and you, we, may see, we may consider this a kind of a demand. Well, the grace is sufficient to meet the demand. And God desires, how much he desires to be grace to us. The more I've been considering this, oh, and when we, you consider the matter of God's economy, you realize our God has gone through a lot of effort to dispense himself into us. He's not only the creator, he also went through a process. We use this term, processed and consummated triune God. What does this mean? This indicates that God's entire being, all that he is, his desire, his intention, 
his very person. He is fully engaged in the dispensing of grace into us. How much he desires to work this out in our being. His heart is for this. Oh, if God is for us, who can be against us? So, he desires for sure that our living would be a living of this grace. So the Christian living must be the living of grace, the experience of grace. Our Christian life is essentially a life of having God as our grace. Oh my, the Christian life is a life of having God as our grace. It's not a matter of doing good and avoiding evil, which was my thought, you know. But I, I, I just hope, saints, that in this message and in this conference, our, even our own understanding of the Christian life would be greatly uplifted. Even, as I said earlier, revolutionized. So that we can see the Christian life is the most glorious situation we can imagine. That God himself wants us to enjoy him. That God wants to add himself to us in every situation. And so the Christian life is essentially a life of having God as our grace. Oh, what is not to like about this? A total, a total living means that our entire living is a living of the triune God processed to be grace to us. <laughs> the triune God was processed to be grace to us. This means he didn't remain in the heavens as a creator, the great creator. The great creator became our savior. You know, my understanding of God as a young lad growing up in the Catholic church was that God was the creator and that we, mortal men here on earth, had to live a life in which we tried to do good and avoid evil. And I always had this view that God was there on the throne judging my conduct. And of course, I was always failing, and I thought, uh, well, maybe I'll just forget about God for now. Otherwise, it's too much trouble. And... Uh, but what a view we have, saints, of the Christian life. The Christian life is not a matter of God on the throne judging man. The Christian life is a matter of his being processed to be grace to us. So he was processed in the sense that, yes, he, he is the creator, but this creator entered into the creation. God became a man. He entered into humanity to live a life among us, then to suffer and die the death of a cross. The most terrible kind of death, he passed through it. But you know what he said on the cross? <clears throat> he said, it is finished. Oh, saints, it is finished. The Lord Jesus did the work that needed to be done. And what was this work? This was the work that was needed to redeem man back to God. But not only so, 
that his life would be released as grace into us. So he redeemed us from our sins, but now through this process of death and resurrection, he now is available to be enjoyed by us. And this is why we can declare God as grace is to be enjoyed by us. And again, what is this word enjoy? This word enjoy is really, we appreciate him. We love him. We realize he is so near. He's so available. And he's gone through such a process just so that we can have this experience of him. So, our entire living is a living of the triune God process to be grace to us. You know, sometimes I have to repent and confess to the Lord, and, and, and I just ask the Lord to forgive me for spending so much time during the course of a day of not even acknowledging him. You know, if I'm not acknowledging him, how can I enjoy him? And so, saints, we, we cheat ourselves. We cheat ourselves so much. We look to so many other things for answers or for enjoyment. But, oh, God has been processed to be grace to us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit of grace, is with our spirit, which has been regenerated to be the dwelling place and vessel of the triune God. It's all it's altogether important for us to realize that the grace is with our spirit. So we need to learn, saints, more and more, and we need to ask the Lord to help us. <clears throat> Lord, help me to live a life in which I walk by the spirit. Help me to know my spirit. Help me to exercise my spirit day by day in all the situations. You know, you're in a situation with your wife, there's a kind of disagreement, you're about to raise your voice, and you know, you know, if you do that, oh, that's fatal. Or even the tone of your voice can be such that it will just bring nothing but death and darkness into your home. Oh, in those moments, may we, instead of just letting ourselves go, may we turn and exercise our spirit. Say, Lord Jesus, inwardly, inwardly. Sometimes you try to do that outwardly, your wife says, okay, you're the spiritual one, huh? You give your wife a Lord Jesus at the wrong moment, that could be a bad idea. Inwardly. Lord Jesus. And then what happens is the the word stops here. It doesn't come out. This can be a rescue to us. So the comp... I'm sorry, I I skipped this uh, C. And this is where I want to make this point about the anointing. The compound spirit is moving within us daily as the anointing so that we may enjoy the process triune God as grace. You know, the anointing many times operates in this way. You're about to 
say something to your wife. Do you hear this little word? No. Or don't. Or stop. You know, that's the anointing. You have uh, a child uh, who uh, just strong-willed, you know, just, they're just going to do it their way. And it doesn't matter what you say or what you think. And you, you have a confrontation. And uh, you want to make sure the child understands, I'm the dad. That means I'm the boss. I'm the king. This is my castle. Bad idea. Or even worse, or equally as bad anyway, is the tone. You know, a few years ago, my daughter, some of you know my daughter, <clears throat> rather strong, willful, you know, this is, this is just how she got started. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and uh, over the course of our time together through the years, it's been a lot of this. And one time she said something to me that actually came to me as a kind of shining. She said, Dad, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. What is that? That was the anointing. <laughs> My daughter had the anointing. <laughs> and I had to take it. I had, I had to say, Amen. Because there was light there. Oh, it wasn't my, it wasn't the way I would have drawn it up, but that's how the Lord did it. There was a shining there, and I realized, yes. So we need to be pure. We need to be pure in our dealings with one another. And the anointing can help us to enjoy the process trying God as grace. So the anointing will come and will stop us. You'll get the sense, no, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't look at that. Don't go on that website. The anointing will come. Don't buy that. The anointing will be there. The Lord, in a very quiet, gentle way, will just simply say, no. How much do we listen? If we listen, oh, the grace flows. You just get the realization, God is here as grace. He's not condemning us. He just wants to add himself to us. Okay. We are those who have received grace, which is the triune God, the Father given to us in the Son, and the Son realized as the Spirit dwelling in our spirit. Okay. <clears throat> because we are saints, the grace of the Lord must be with each one of us in every aspect of our daily life. 
Now, the law was given, but grace came. So we may read something like this and consider this as a kind of matter of the law. Oh, we are saints, so the grace of the Lord must be with each one of us in every aspect of our daily life, and you realize right away, mm, not true, doesn't happen. What do you do? Well, saints, this, what this is, this is opportunity. This word gives us the realization that this is possible, not through the law, but through grace. I read the footnote, John 1.17. The Lord as grace can be with us in every aspect of our daily life. That's why it says in Philippians 4.23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We all have a spirit, and our spirit is mingled with the Lord. The Lord lives in our spirit. So because of that fact, it is possible for us to enjoy the grace because the grace is with our spirit. So we can enjoy grace in every situation, every aspect of our daily life. Ephesians 4.7, but to each one of us, grace was given. Are you a believer? Grace was given to you. You have the grace. It's a matter of exercising, using our spirit. Okay, now we come to a, a, another kind of uh, a, a point here. Uh, Roman number two. How about we read Roman number two together? Okay, this is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we know the story with the church in Corinth. This is a church that's not doing very well. Well, how about your local church? Is your local church... Don't answer that. <laughs> but we may all be in all kinds of situations. But how about point A? The grace of God is not given to the church based on the spirituality or condition of the church. The grace of God alone is the base of the church. So when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul's writing to the church of God which is in Corinth, and immediately he greets them with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to read these kind of verses not as if, well, these are just, this is just common, you know, greetings, meaningless, just Paul's being pleasant here, you know. No, these words are meaningful. To the church in Corinth, he says, grace to you and peace. And then he says, I thank my God always concerning you based upon the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. So the church in Corinth is based upon the grace of God. It's not a matter of their spiritual condition. Paul's thanks to God in 1 Corinthians 1.4 was based upon the gift of grace which was given to the church in Christ Jesus. 
The church is standing on the base of grace in order that it may receive further grace. We have received grace as our base and we are standing and we are standing upon grace, not upon our attributes, virtues, or excellencies. Therefore, we are qualified to receive more grace, even grace upon grace. John 1.16 indicates this, that he, the Lord Jesus comes as grace, and this is grace upon grace. So in the church life, in the local churches, the condition, according to your evaluation, might be weak. Well, maybe your evaluation is not so accurate. Maybe we need to take a look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians and realize, ah, the base of the church is grace. And the more we enjoy grace, the more grace there will be. The more I forget about the problems, turn my heart to the Lord and enjoy the Lord as grace, the more grace there will be not only in me, but in the church. And we can supply one another with grace. Okay, I need to press on. Uh, the Roman 3, let's read Roman 3 together. Okay, here we have a significant uh, development of this matter of grace. Because grace is not just for our personal or individual enjoyment. It is with a view toward the consummation of the believer's experience to produce the organic body of Christ. The organic body of Christ develops through our enjoyment of grace. So every day, saints, no matter who you are, you're the mother with the three-year-old. You're working at a job, long hours. You're a student at university. No matter who you are, where you are, our enjoyment of grace is significant because it consummates, it produces, it results in the church as the organic body of Christ. The Lord's heart is to gain the body. His aim today in all the things, all the situations, is that he would gain the body. How is this going to happen? It's not a matter of people coming together and organizing things. It's a matter of our enjoyment of grace. The more grace we enjoy, the more we enter into the reality of the body of Christ, which is an organic matter. It's not an organizational matter. And so the organic body of Christ is the ultimate product of our enjoyment of grace. So this should be an incentive to us. It should even motivate us. Lord, add yourself to me today, not only for me, but that you could gain your body. The Lord desires, he wants to gain this body. Because the body is also the bride. The body is also the one new man. The body is the household of God. Something is missing, even in God's own estimation, without the body. 
He desires to gain the body. But this depends on us, saints. It depends on the level of our experiencing this grace. So grace is the circulating triune God, dispensing all that he is into us for our enjoyment. The entire church life depends on grace as the circulation of the divine trinity within us. 1 Peter 5 indicates that he is the God of all grace. You know, in Acts 11, uh, there's a description there in which Barnabas has visited the church in Antioch. And it indicates that he saw the grace. He saw the grace. How did he see the grace? Because the believers there were enjoying Christ. And so Barnabas saw something. There was a testimony of grace. This grace was manifested. This grace was something that Barnabas could even see. You can read that in Acts chapter 11. The practical life and building up of the body of Christ come forth out of the inward enjoyment of the grace of God. You know, in 1 Corinthians it says, God is faithful through whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, we've all been called into the fellowship. This is the fellowship of his Son. We are the most blessed people. Our fellowship, we have a special fellowship for you. And that is the fellowship of his son. And we all are participants in this fellowship. And as we enjoy this fellowship, there is the building up of the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I've kind of been looking forward to getting to this verse. I think we all know it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know, the triune God is mentioned there, and these three items, grace, love, and fellowship, they are not separate matters, but they're three aspects of one thing. Grace, love, fellowship. Father, Son, and Spirit. I, you know, some years ago, not, not too many years, I was in a home meeting in the church in Dublin, and we sang this song. You know, we have this, this verse put to a song. In fact, we may want to sing it in just one minute. I think we're going to want to sing this one. Because... While I was there in the, in the home meeting, I just thought, how did Paul write this one verse? That he would have the insight into the divine trinity and he could compose. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have some kind of guidebook or encyclopedia that he was referring to. This came out of his fellowship and his experience of grace. And he realized that, oh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Oh, man. Oh, he was enjoying the Lord. And then, oh, the love of God. This grace is based on the love of God. The grace comes to us with the love as the source of the grace. And then this brings us into a fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so he's enjoying the triune God in such a way, and then he says, may this enjoyment be with you all. This is his prayer for the church in Corinth. May it be our prayer for all the churches. So let's sing this. How about? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. that's so sweet and what what an amazing thing that Paul would have that realization well to continue saints because of time um, every part of the organic body of Christ is an issue of the grace of God in the economy of God well what is every part of the organic body of Christ I'm looking at them We're all part of the organic body of Christ. We're all members of this organic body. And we are an issue of the grace of God in the economy of God. 
In the body, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us and that are a result of our experience of the grace of Christ. This grace is God in Christ as the divine element coming into our being to be our life for our enjoyment. When this grace comes into us, it brings with it the element of certain spiritual skills and abilities which, accompanying our growth in life, develop into the gifts in life so that we may function in the body of Christ to serve God. In Romans 12, 6, the gifts differ according to grace. In Ephesians 4, 7, grace was given according to the gift. Grace is the divine life that produces and supplies the gifts. In Romans 12, it is the grace that produces the gift. Thus, the gift is according to grace. In Ephesians 4, the grace is according to the gift, according to the measure of the gift. So we're all members of the body, and to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So the more grace we enjoy, the more gift we will have. In the church, as the organic body of Christ, we should let no corrupt word proceed out of our mouth, but only that which is good for building up according to the need, that it may give grace to those who hear. Oh, saints, may this be, uh, may this be our, our guiding light. You know, that in the churches, in our fellowship with one another, let no corrupt word. The word corrupt means something that's offensive or worthless. I'm afraid many times when we gather, there may be something that we call it fellowship, but it's just a kind of chit-chat, talk. Well, this kind of offensive or worthless type of word Uh, We should not let this kind of word proceed out of our mouth. But only that which is good for building up according to the need, that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, one one thing in our experience, whenever we've seen serious problems in the church life in the way of a kind of storm, most of that is generated by this kind of corrupt speaking rather than a a speaking that ministers grace. Our words spoken to others should convey grace, Christ as our enjoyment and supply. The word that builds up others always ministers Christ as grace to the hearer. So may we build one another up through our speaking. Our God is a speaking God. And he has made us in his image. That means we can speak. We can speak forth Christ to one another, and this is a ministry of grace. Okay, uh, Roman 4, let's read this together. I really appreciate Ephesians 3 2, because there. As we just read, Paul is indicating 
that he has been given a stewardship. It's a stewardship of the grace of God. This means with such a stewardship, he is capable of ministering grace to others. And it's a stewardship that was given to him for us. The same stewardship has been given to each one of us, to me, for you. We all have a stewardship as members of the body. And in this stewardship, we can minister grace to one another. Okay, in Ephesians 3, 2 and 9, Paul uses the Greek word economia. In verse 9, this word refers to God's economy. In verse 2, it refers to, to the stewardship of the apostle. The stewardship of the grace of God has been given to us so that we may live and serve for the building up of the body of Christ. The stewardship of the grace is for the dispensing of the grace of God into his chosen people for the producing and building up of the church as the body of Christ. Out of this stewardship comes the ministry of the apostle, who is a steward in God's house, ministering Christ as God's grace to God's household. Paul's ministry was to dispense the riches of Christ as grace to the believers for their enjoyment. We're not here to be a pastor or a minister to just teach people things, you know, in a, in a, in a religious kind of way. Our ministry, our stewardship is to dispense Christ into one another. And we all are participants in this ministry. The economy of God is with God himself, but the stewardship of grace was given not merely to Paul as one person. This stewardship has been given to all the believers. So we have a room full of believers. All of us can, are capable. We have the ability, the function of being able to minister Christ to one another and to minister Christ to many people among us that are in need of such a Christ. The stewardship of grace is universal. For the body of Christ, all the saints have the stewardship of grace according to God's economy. Oh, saints, thank the Lord for this word. Thank the Lord for this conference. That we could enjoy Christ in such a way for the building up of the body of Christ. May the Lord... Gain us all in this way. May his grace in us increase. May our enjoyment of him increase. May we take advantage of such grace that we could have this grace in all the aspects of our living. So at this point, I think we'll turn it over to the brothers and uh, they will instruct us. It will be time for you to share.